Welcome to Talkin' Truth with comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy and Pastor Brian Clark. Today's special guest Jeff Foxworthy joins them. I mean, I remember years ago, I blew out two discs in my neck and I literally lived in a chair in a recliner for six months. Guess what? The car didn't matter. The house, it didn't matter because my health had, had gone away. You know what's sad about that whole thing that you just said? I'm completely healthy and I sat in a recliner for six months doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life and having a little fun. Get her done. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy, with our, uh, our podcast, Talking Truth. This is season five of Unwavering Faith. I've got Brian Clark with me. He's the, he's the master of ceremonies. He's the guy that knows all the stuff. Oh, boy. And going to read us a little lesson. Special guest star, my buddy Jeff Foxworthy, as you know from my fellow compadre for the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Jeff, thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Cool thing about Jeff is, man, I love Jeff. Jeff loves Jesus. Jeff has always been a good friend. You got to have good friends to keep you grounded when you're a believer. And sometimes you run, especially in the entertainment business, you can run around with some folks that just literally could care less, and they can bring you down in that aspect, and you can grow apart from the Lord. So you got to find good friends. And I have been a good friend of Jeff since 1986, and I love his faith. I love that he loves Jesus, and he helps me out a lot as well. So the fact he's doing the podcast with me, I really do appreciate it. All right, so this is Genesis 31, 1 through, 50, 1 through 55. Oh, yeah. You're going to read 54 verses? Well, 55. How am I supposed to hold an audience mm -hmm. when you're reading half a book? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to find out. Okay, here we go. Right. Why would someone worship a god made of concrete or wood? It's literally just a piece of concrete. As a matter of fact, I've been in many foreign countries, and I've personally witnessed people crawling on their hands and knees to worship a lifeless piece of concrete. Then I get home and realize, yeah, maybe we're not so different. People here worship their houses or their cars or their bank account. We turn to the gods of pleasure or fame or power. Whatever we think will make us happy, that's what we worship. An important question to consider is whether or not your God is able to deliver you in your hour of trouble. I mean, when the doctor says it's cancer, when your teenage daughter runs away, when you lose your job or a loved one dies, is your God able to help you in that moment? This is the lesson Jacob is learning. Little by little, he's moving from a life of fear to a life of faith. We pick up the story in Genesis 31. Laban tried every way imaginable to cheat Jacob, but God was on Jacob's side. God was taking from Laban and giving it to Jacob. In other words, Jacob was becoming richer, and Laban was slowly losing what he had. Of course, this does not sit well with Laban or his sons. The tension was growing. So the Lord appeared to Jacob and told him it was time to depart and to return to the land of his father. God reminded Jacob, I will be with you. Jacob explained the situation to Leah and Rachel. He rehearsed all the ways their father had cheated him but told them, God has been with me, and God has not allowed Laban to hurt me. It was clear to Jacob that God had kept his promises to him, and they needed to trust him now. 
Leah and Rachel expressed their own bitter feelings toward their father and assured Jacob they were ready to leave with him. So in the middle of the night, Jacob gathered all that was his, and they quietly departed. When Laban realized Jacob and his family were gone, he gathered his men, and he went out after them. But God appeared to Laban in a dream and warned Laban not to touch Jacob or else. Laban caught up with Jacob and asked him why he left in the middle of the night like that. Jacob told Laban he was afraid he would try to take everything back by force. Then Jacob rehearsed for everyone the ways Laban had cheated him over the years. These had been 20 hard years for Jacob. He got in this mess because of his own fears and bad decisions. But now he's seeing that in spite of his messes, God has been faithful just as he promised he would be. Little by little, Jacob was getting it. He could trust God to keep his promises. The contrast between Laban's gods and Jacob's God is obvious. Laban was an idol worshiper, but his idols had no power. They didn't really help Laban in any way. Contrary to that was the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob took care of him. No matter how many ways Laban tried to cheat Jacob, God blessed Jacob and defeated Laban. When Laban tried one final time to get Jacob, the God of Jacob got in Laban's face and warned him to stop or else. Laban's gods were lifeless. They were nothing but pieces of wood or stone. But the God of Jacob was alive and powerful and able to take care of Jacob every step of the way, even when Jacob was making poor choices. Our culture is filled with people who worship gods who are powerless to help in their hour of need. I mean, think about this. How does your bank account help when your marriage is failing or when your kids are rebelling? People worship gods who are no different than Laban's household idol. But the God of Jacob, the God of the Bible, he's alive and he's powerful. He invites you into a relationship with him and promises to never leave or forsake you, to be there for you in your best moments and in your worst moments. He invites you to trust him today. Let's bring in Dan and Jeff. Let's talk about this. Guys, can you imagine what it would be like to have a God who is powerless to help you in your hour of need? Well, you know, Brian, one of the things that I remind myself a lot, and I have to remind myself, is be wise, to be wise. And so when you think about these things, anybody that is watching this or or listening to this, the laptop or the computer or the phone that you're watching it on has an expiration date. I mean, one day, whatever you're you're watching this on, it's it's going to be in the bottom of a landfill somewhere. The chair you're sitting on, one day is going to be in the bottom of a landfill. But the other things we worship, like our looks, you know, one day your good looks, it has an expiration date. They don't last forever. It, you know, if it's how big your muscles are in your body, there's an expiration date on that. You're not going to die like that. It doesn't last forever. And so, you know, every Everything in the room you're sitting in, look around, it all has an expiration date except the soul inside of you, except for your spirit. That's the only thing that doesn't have an expiration date. And the God that you're talking about, God tells you, hey, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. He does not have an expiration date. So no matter what it is that we're worshiping, whether it's our money or our house, you know, which one day might be hundreds of years, 
It's going to crumble and fall. It's not going to be there anymore. Somebody's going to push it over with a bulldozer. That car out in the driveway that you love one day is going to be in a junkyard. The only thing that doesn't have an expiration date is God. So if we're going to be wise, why wouldn't that be the thing that we would worship? You know, I remember years ago, I blew out two discs in my neck, and I literally lived in a chair in a recliner for six months. Guess what? The car didn't matter. The house, it didn't matter because my health had, had gone away. And, and you're right. In your hour of need, Brian, these things, they're not going to save you. But I think that's the reason that we have these stories like of Jacob, is God says, here, I'm, I'm going to give proof, I'm going to give evidence that I'm the thing you can count on. I'm the only thing you can rely on. I'm the only thing that's going to save you and protect you. You know what's sad about that whole thing that you just said? I'm completely healthy, and I sat in a recliner for six months doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am learning so much at what a screw-up I am in this whole thing. I mean, oh, my gosh. So one of the things in this chapter that's kind of funny, I, I think the writer has a smile on his face when he writes this, is that we're told that Rachel actually stole one of her father, Laban's idols, put it in her bag, and when Laban and company catch up to Jacob, they accuse them of stealing one of his idols. And of course, Jacob knows nothing of this and says it didn't happen, but Rachel knows it's in the tent. So they start going through the tents and Rachel goes into her tent and she's sitting on it in her bag. And when they come in to search the tent, she tells them that she's having her menstrual cycle. So she can't get up. And because of that, they leave and they don't search the tent. And I think part of what the writer is picturing is this is Laban's powerful God that is so powerful that she's sitting on it and she's defiling it compared to the God of Jacob. So there, right. there's this picture of Laban's God versus the God of Jacob, really, I think, to help us think about who or what is the God of our lives? And what is it that this God can do for us? Wouldn't it be funny if all she took was like a Nebuchadnezzar bobblehead doll or something? That would be funny. <laughs> but if and, your God is your... not strong enough to get a butt cheek <laughs> off the top of his head, he's not much of a God, is he? Absolutely. Yeah. That is I think so that's true. exactly the point. So let me let me make a statement, and you guys tell me if you agree with this or not. I think one of the reasons that there's so much fear in the culture today is because deep down people know that the gods they worship won't be there for them in their hour of need. No. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. It's crazy that people like, like I'm a Braves fan and, I'm a, and you know, you see Jeff's off, he's got the Bulldogs up there. I mean, we don't worship them. I mean, there's no way if, that I go to bed at night and I, uh, you know, dear Bobby Cox, thank you. You know what I mean? I would never do that. People that actually think money is going to save them. How many times, Jeff, have we seen all these wealthy entertainers that at night they're by themselves in a hotel room and they're at the end of their rope? They're, they're hopeless. They're their well, money's not saving them. I tell you why they're hopeless, Dan, is because what the world tells you is, hey, if you get enough money, 
then everything's going to be great. Or, or, cool. or if you get enough fame, and you know, I'm man, I'm thankful when I see people that are enormously famous and enormously wealthy that are miserable. You know, to me, I just sit back and just look at that and go, okay, well, that's a lie. Fame doesn't make you happy. Money doesn't make you happy. So, you know, to me, it's kind of like going to school going, all right, so why am I going to use all my energy pursuing these things? Because at the end of the day, like Brian is saying, in my hour of need, they're not going to work. You know, and I think the world lies to you about your appearance, about your looks. Is Yeah, they're great when you're 25, but you get to be 75 and you're having facelift number 14, you just, you look like a fool because your thing that you've worshipped, it has an expiration date. The world has ever-changing goalposts and all these standards, and the Bible has one standard, one goalpost, and God has something the world doesn't have that everybody needs, salvation and forgiveness. The world doesn't forgive. The world is the most unforgiving thing there is. But well, you think um, about, you know, like in our business, everybody loves that building you up story. But the minute you screw up, that's what fame. I mean, in, in an earlier episode, Brian was talking about people have image of God, you know, and I think a lot of times we just impose our earthly father and imagine God like that. But just God with his hand up, just waiting on you to mess up so he can knock you down and but that's what fame is, is people yeah. build you up, and the minute you screw up, then everybody turns on you. And like a pack of wolves, God never does that. He never. doesn't do that when, when we screw up. And so if fame's the thing you're thinking, boy, she's fickle. <laughs> she's, so, she's fickle. So this is, this is a really unique opportunity. So for me as a preacher, I talk about the fact that fame and fortune won't make you happy. But people can easily say, how would you know? Right. So this is a unique opportunity. i got two people that have fame and fortune. So to close this, talk to our listeners. You've had both, uniquely so. So what is it that ultimately satisfies? What is it that makes us happy? I'll start that off right off the bat. The thing that makes me happy is my relationship with Jesus because I know he forgives me and I know that when I die, I know exactly where I'm going. And I know that everything that I, just like Jeff said, everything that I have, everything, it doesn't make a difference because when you're gone, you're not taking anything with you. It's just the little conveniences that you have along the way. None of them save you. None of them. And so when I rededicated my life a while back, a few years ago, I started, I started getting fulfilled again. And I started feeling happy again. And I stopped worrying about as many things. And like we talked about with sanctification, it takes time. I'm getting sanctified more and more every day. And I love it. And it's freeing. I feel free. I don't feel a slave to anything. And only one thing does that. And that is the love of Jesus and the forgiveness and for what he did for me and for everybody else. And I'll tell you what, it's way better. It's awesome. That's that's what I feel about it. I mean, nothing prepared me for whatever level of fame I have. You know, I I grew up in a little town with a dirt yard, 
And you know, when I think about being famous is when I get out of the car at a restaurant or a sporting event or whatever, and I've often felt that this must be what it feels like to be in a wheelchair because you know everybody's going to be looking at you the whole time. They're going to watch you eat. They're going to watch you talk. And for people that think they, they want to be famous, that's the side of it you don't think about. Is people people sitting across the room taking your picture while you're eating, you know, people staring at you. So I, I just have never thought of myself as famous, and it's kind of silly to me. But you're right. It's Dan and I can speak to it. I, I mean, I've made more money in a night than I ever dreamed as a child I would make in a year. But I don't I don't think about that. I don't. I wake up in the morning and I and I sit there and read my devotion and I'm like, God, please don't let me be judgmental. Please don't let me be harsh. Please teach me to to control my my emotions and control my words and uh, <laughs> none of that other stuff matters because it could it could disappear in an instant. And so I, I'm certainly not going to trust in that money to save me, and I'm not going to trust in that fame to save me, because one day they're both going to be gone. But the God of Jacob and the God of Abraham and the God of David, he's going to be there. He's going to last. And so when I think about being wise, I'm like, yeah, why? if I'm going to be wise, why don't I put my trust and my faith in something that's not going to expire? It's going to be there forever. Absolutely. That's all for today's episode of Talkin' Truth. Dan and Brian will be back next week, along with their special guest, Jeff Foxworthy. Before we go, be sure to request your copy of Brian Clark's book, Unwavering Faith. This powerful resource follows the life of Jacob and helps you see what it means to live by faith, not by fear. Get your copy of Unwavering Faith at TalkinTruth.com. That's talk, the letter N, truth.com. Get it done.